start this sucker. Okay. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome, welcome. Hello, hello. Glad you're all here. Um, sorry about the couple minutes late start here. I did run into a couple technical difficulties, but we've got that figured out now. We're all good now. Um, hey, everybody. Welcome. I'm Dan, your friendly fishmonger from dansfish.com. I'll be your host this evening. I also run a little website called getgills.com. If you have aquarium fish or supplies to sell, you can list them for sale on getgills.com. If you want to buy stuff from other hobbyists, you can browse what's available there. So that's the commercial for the day. Uh, let's see who's here. Angela Turner got in first. Hey, Angela. Glad you're here. Cheshire Cat. Good to see you. Early for once. Yes, I don't have to send you to the principal's office today. You are here and on time. Richard Crackle, hello again. Matt Callie, hello. Matt, I don't know if I, uh, I don't recognize your last name or last part of your username. So if you're new, welcome. If you've been here a long time and I forgot you, then I apologize sincerely, but welcome. Michael Wilson, hi y'all. Better get my coffee. Yeah, it, it, could, be a, it could be a hard one. <laughs> it could be a grind. Dan Slee, now four times better. Yeah, I'll go into that in a second. Got some amazing wild type betta species in that I'm excited about, along with a bunch of other cool stuff. This was a good week for the orders. Um, most of the things I that I ordered came in. I think I ordered 14 things and got 10, so that's a good fill rate. For me, Bathyphila, carb, or real. Hey, real, glad you're here. Um, Real, I've been thinking about your angelfish situation and it being so sudden and all that. I wonder if it could be something like feeding, like the brine shrimp were too old or something. Because it seems like it was a really sudden onset thing. The parameters of your aquarium were good. So to have a sudden fry die off like that, the more I think about it, the more I think maybe you're right in... in in that assumption about the brine shrimp. So, I mean, I don't know for sure, but it's definitely a possibility. Um, all right, for those that are new, uh, if you have a question or comment, I'll gladly respond to it in a moment after I show you guys the awesome fish we got in at dancefish.com on Monday of this week. Um, in order for me to see your question or comment, if you would make it at dancefish, so it highlights for me, just type the at symbol and then start typing dancefish, You'll see an option to select Dan's fish, select that, and that means it'll highlight for me and I can get right to it. All right, so if you wouldn't mind uh, doing that and helping me help you, then we can get a good discussion going. So let me show you these, these cool fish that we got in. All right, so I'm gonna start with one of my absolute favorites. It's this one, Betacochina. Um, love these guys. They're similar to Betta brown orum. They're a small little fish. They don't get very big at all. And they are just absolutely stunning, peaceful, um, not hardy, although they're pretty hardy once they're acclimated in things. I have a video of them I'm gonna share with you here that I took that is short, but shows you some of their, their cool colors. Um, yeah, I wouldn't describe, they're, they're one that do take a little bit of um, special TLC when they first get landed. 
they come from very acidic environments where they are not exposed to much in the way of bacteria and infections and things. So it takes a little TLC. But let me show you. Um, hang on, I've got a got this video and I've just got to get it in a position where you guys can see it. Okay, I think this will do it. <laughs> this is a little messier than I thought it would be. Sorry about that. But okay, I'm going to start it right here. Let me get you guys so you can see it and check these out. So the video is really bad. This is in the quarantine tank. Keep in mind, I only got these fish in on Monday. Monday, they looked pretty stressed. This is yesterday. They're already starting to color in and display. Look at those two displaying right there in the mop. Um, this is just a short little 30 second video, but they're such a pretty little fish. The, the um, glass on the front of this quarantine tank is so scratched up. That's why it looks really cloudy as I do this. So I apologize for that, but that's a quick look at them. Really beautiful little fish. I just, I love this fish a lot. So Betacochina. I'm, I'm thrilled to say that they've colored up, they're settling in, and they appear to be doing really, really well. So the thing with bettas that come from these really acidic environments is you have to make sure that they're not going to succumb to a bacterial infection because they're not used to bacteria in the water they come from. And the other thing they're susceptible to is velvet. So I'll be keeping a sharp eye out for that. And I have the medicine, I have copper, uh, copper safe that I can use for that if, if that becomes a problem. Okay, here's the second species of betta that we got in. This is betta bellica. It's a little more color-wise like a phallus or something like that, but they do have these really nice iridescent spangles on them. Just a really neat wild-type betta. And they seem to be doing really well as, as well. Then this is one I'm really excited about. I've been wanting to get these guys in for a long time. I tried before, and what they sent me was something that looked kind of like this but it was a really aggressive fish. So obviously it was an embellus that had been crossed with uh, splendens at some point. And <laughs> this was several years ago, actually. So I ended up with all these fish that um, I had planned on putting in one tank together because better embellus you can keep together. They're, they're not like splendens, but these ones were. So... <laughs> That was a, a big mess, quickly being like, oh, I got to run to the, uh, what was it, food for less and buy a whole bunch of plastic containers for these. But anyway, uh, they don't look like this. This is more of a domesticated strain, I would say. They look more like this, and they're still coloring up. Again, I just got them on Monday. Um, this is a more accurate depiction of what they look like at this moment. But really nice bubble nest builder, wild type betta that I've been wanting to get for a long time. So they finally arrived, which is awesome. Here's another one I got. Now these are big. This is betta inise. And um, here's a good picture of a pair in spawning color. They're, uh, I don't know, if they're not three inches, they're close. They're a, a bigger fish. 
than most of your bettas. Kind of big body, kind of tough fish. But they're, again, a, a mouth-brooding betta. They, uh, you can keep them together. That's what I like about these wild-type bettas. You can keep them all in a group. So that's the bettas. Let me quickly show you what else we got. So we got some honeycomb cats just because they're cute little cats. They're fun. Got some more Aplochylus um, blockii just because I'm running really low. Cool little killifish. Got some Pseudomugo pasci, which is a beautiful little blue eye rainbow fish, kind of like Fricata or Gertrude, similar to, to Gertrude, I guess, but different color scheme, more red and orange on them. More platinum half beaks, just because I'm about to run out. And then more Pseudomugil fricatas, uh, just because, again, I'm, I'm about to run out. So that's what we got this week. I, I'm really excited about it. That's a bunch of cool fish. <laughs> and uh, so far, everyone seems to be pretty solid. Not a lot of losses or anything. Everyone seems to be settling in well. So it's been a fun week for me, getting all those fish in and... Uh, and watching them settle in and color up. So that's my week. That's what I've been doing. Let's get to what you guys have been doing. So I'm going to look now for your comments and questions and go ahead and respond to them. 47 watching. Thanks for being here, everybody. I'm glad you're here on a Wednesday night, spending it with me. Thanks. A lot of people saying hello. So hello, everybody. I'll just hit that all with a blanket. Hello. Um, <laughs> All right, skipping past the highs, getting to some other stuff. Tech Turtle, by the way, if you need another mod, I'm willing. Thanks, Tech Turtle, I'll, I'll let you know. Um, my philosophy with mods is I want to make the mods job kind of, I guess, meaningful. So I don't add more mods until we need them. So when the mods I have now, which are candy overhauls when she's not working for Corey, uh, Kayla's Aquatics, um, Lumpy Dog and 54 Punchy when she's, I mean, right now her work schedule's changed and, and she can't be here. Um, once we get to the point where those mods are like, hey, we, we, could, use a, we could use some help, then I'll go ahead and, and make another mod and I'll keep you in mind for that. Thank you. Thank you for letting me know that. What I don't want to do though is make it so that everybody's a mod because then it's like, it's kind of meaningless, the title of a mod, I guess. When it's a stream and everyone is a mod, I don't know. I just, it, it kind of strikes me as a little bit funny and wires get crossed and things like that. So, but thanks for letting me know and I'll, I'll definitely keep you in mind. Oh, I had another thought on that. Oh, yes. So for those of you that don't know, 54 Punchy, um, who we know and love, Pam, is had to go through a surgery recently and it, it became kind of complicated there's issues with just all the bills piling up. She has a lot of animals to care for and things. She's done a lot for the online YouTube uh, fish community. She mods in lots of channels. She's generous. She super chats when she can. She's just a good egg. So Candy Overholes has set up a, I don't know if it's a GoFundMe, um, something to help 54 Punchy. And you know what? I wish I would have thought about this when I was setting this up because I would have had it up here and linked it and showed you all. Um, if one of the mods knows a link to that, to that fundraiser for Pam, could you um, 
list a link. And everyone, if you are able, this is the type of thing where our community can really make a difference. Uh, large unexpected medical bills like that can be devastating. And let's help, let's help Pam out if we can. So I just want to throw that out there. All right. <laughs> Tech Turtle says, this didn't highlight, but I saw it anyway. Dan, why? I've been looking for them, but didn't want to set up another tank. Thanks. I might be getting some of those. All right. I'm not sure exactly which species you're talking about, but yeah. Alluring Betta says, I feel like a kid in a candy store. And Alluring Betta, the Betta Rubra have sexed out. So I'll email you in the next couple days when I have half a second and I remember at the same time as I have a half a second. Um, I'll email you. Uh, see, I have, I think, two pairs that you're the first on the waiting list for. So Actually, if you could make it easy on me, if you could just email me and let me know if you still want them, and if so, how many pairs. Uh, Better Rubra, Captive Bread, go for 40 bucks a pair. And I can ship up to three pairs for 15 bucks. So uh, thanks, Alluring Betta, for being here and reminding me of that. Alluring <laughs> Betta's like, I can't watch this. Ah! <laughs> Bob Kaler, nice fish. Thank you. I think so, too. Steven Innes, hey, welcome again. You I remember because of the last name, like William T. Oi, oi, Wednesday again. Hi, hey, welcome. <laughs> Dancely, amazing shipment you got in. I know, my mind was blown. Because for a long time, if I ordered 12 fish, I might get four, right? Species. <laughs> and I, uh, so this time I ordered 12 and I was like, well, maybe four will come in. Or I ordered 14 and 10 came in. So that's a pretty good fill rate. And oh, there's another fish I got in that I can't show you because I can't find a picture of it. It's to me anyway, a new kind of sword tail. It's almost like a black tuxedo, but it's green. So it's a really dark green, like a crushed velvet, really dark green sword tail. I just can't find a picture of it. So uh, I couldn't link one up, but yeah. But yeah, I was real excited for that shipment, Dan, for sure. Bob Kaler, how are the Samurai Garamis? I am happy to report the Samurai Garamis are doing excellent. They've started coloring up. They've started transitioning to flake food. So they're, yesterday was the first time they kind of actively ate the flake food, didn't just pick at it and spit it back out. So I'm thinking if they continue to eat the food and, and, do well. I'm thinking of listing them this Friday. I am so glad they're doing well. They are a delight. I like whenever I have a moment, I, I, they're on a bottom tank. So I like sit down on the floor and just watch them. They mesmerize me. They're amazing. And I'm thrilled to say that even though they have a reputation as being a very, very delicate fish, that they've been rock solid. So uh, Bob, I'm yeah, they're doing great. I'm excited about them. Bathyphila. In fact, they've been courting. I, I don't know if they've actually spawned yet. Every now and then I see a male with an expanded buccal cavity and I'm like, hey, but um, I've seen them courting and stuff. So I think they're about ready to breed and they are breedable size. A few of them, the smallest ones of the batch might not be breedable size yet. This is my first time keeping them. So I'm not sure exactly what size they breed at, but 
but most of them are obviously uh, breedable size because they're courting, they're coloring up, they're displaying to each other. So yeah, Bathyphila. Do you ever do anything with Rivulus killies? Occasionally, Rivulus are, of all the groups of killifish out there, they're the one that probably draws me the least. And there's a couple reasons for that. Now, they're amazing killifish. Don't get me wrong. This is not me saying Rivulus suck and no one should get them. Um, people should get Rivulus. They're a very unique, interesting fish. In fact, there's Rivulus marmoratus, which is now called something else. I don't remember the new genus. Um, I called them Rivulus marmoratus for so long that I've just forgotten what the new genus is. But anyway, it's actually hermaphrodite, which is really cool. It fertilizes, it, it doesn't fertilize its egg. It's, it's just the female lays eggs that are that hatch into clones of that female. Um, really neat fish. They don't, they tend to not have a ton of color. That being said, that's a generalization. There are several species that are beautiful, but they tend to not have a ton of color. They tend to jump a lot. Now, a lot of killifish jump a lot, but Rivulus top them all. And then the other thing is, I, I like the satisfaction of breeding a fish and getting a lot of eggs and raising a big batch. Rivulus tend to just lay a few eggs a day. In my experience, they just aren't as prolific egg-wise as like a lot of the Aphiosimians and Fundalopanchaks and the annual killifish species and things. So so for those reasons, they're still killifish. They're still awesome. And I have kept them on and off several different species, but they aren't one that's ever like drawn my attention in a big way. As far as getting them in and like trying to sell them, I don't know of any supplier that does rivulus in quantity that, well, I take that back. I, it probably could be done. But I don't, I, I'm not going to be able to do that with my current suppliers. I do know one or two suppliers that would do that, but I can't do order from them because they have a limited quant, uh, number of fish species. And I'd have to get like, seriously, 600 to 1,000 of each species, which is just too much for me. It would have to be my own import to make that happen. Um, but I like them. And if you like them, you should totally work with them. They're an interesting fish. In the wild, they basically live in like damp earth and leaf litter. <laughs> like you wouldn't even know there's water there until you step on the leaves and they sink in the in a couple inches. You know, it's they're they're an interesting fish. Not all of them, but a lot of them live like that. So that's that's the answer. Dolly Vigil, you forget about me. Don't you forget about me. No, Dolly, how would I ever forget about you? Um, but did you have a question or something? Are you wondering about the, yeah, the thread fins still aren't ready. I haven't cracked the, uh, the code on them yet. So I have the female thread fins, but I'm not comfortable shipping them yet. Uh, so real briefly, because I covered this last week, what's happening with the female thread fins that I have I got specifically for Dolly Vigil and other people that need them is those are a naturally, I don't know, thin fish, right? Uh, Erythrania werneri is what we're talking about. The thread fin or feather fin rainbow or blue eye, whatever. Um, and 
they came in pretty pinched. A good portion of them are gaining weight and are, are probably ready to sell, but there's another portion of them that haven't gained any weight back. And so my concern is, is that there might be some kind of internal parasite that is keeping those females from starting to gain weight. And I don't want to ship the females that look okay because they're in the same tank together and, and risk sending Dan, uh, Dolly or someone else uh, a fish that could have an internal parasite going on. So I'm trying to figure out what it is. Um, now, what I've moved from is I've tried all the internal parasite stuff I can think of. So now I'm trying external parasite stuff. I'm, they're in a copper bath right now. Sometimes there are external parasites that you don't even see that will sap the fish's strength too. So I've kind of been like, well, maybe it's not an internal parasite. Maybe it's an external parasite. And I moved it to some of those medicines. If that's not it, then it could be a bacterial infection in their, in their gut. And so I'll have to move to that. So Dolly, I'm sorry, I'm still trying to crack that code and I just haven't cracked it yet. So I, I don't know what else to say. I'm working on it. I just don't, I don't want to send any one fish out of that tank until those skinny females start gaining weight back. Because then I know that if they had something, that, that it's gone now because they're recovering. Sorry, it's just, you get fish in, sometimes they have stuff and it takes a while to figure out what it is. And I don't have a fish bed around, so I can't just uh, take them down and be like, hey, what's going on? <laughs> Sylvia R. Well, hello, goodness, I'm glad you're back. My birthday's tomorrow and I'm hoping for extra cash to buy some croaking garamis. Cool. Too bad you don't have gift certificates. Yet yeah, one day we'll get to that functionality, but yeah. Um, awesome. Awesome. Well, happy birthday tomorrow. And for your sake and my sake, I hope you do get some croaking garamis. Um, let's see here. I saw someone saying dark green. I think they were talking about the dark greens are gorgeous, says another's another Z. Cool. Yeah, I I just don't couldn't find a picture of what I have with those dark green sword tails. 44 mag guy one dance fish sup. Got the silicone on my tank redone. Cool. And it's holding water. Just gotta start the nitrogen cycle. Sounds good. Um, also, if if you resealed before you put a bunch of fish in there, take one fish put it in and make sure it's okay. Because if, if it wasn't as cured as you thought, and then you put water in and put fish in, they will die within eight hours or so. I, I learned this the hard way. Uh, several years ago, I brought in a big batch of discus and one of my tanks I had resealed. I think I'd let it sit for a week, maybe even two. And so I thought it was cured and ready to go filled it up. Everything I put in that tank within a few hours before I even noticed anything was wrong, they were gone. Uh, changed the water a couple times, put a test fish in there. Everything was fine. So whatever had leached out into the water was cleared out, but just take it from me. You, you want it. Anytime you reseal a tank or put in fresh silicone, do a little test before you fill that thing full of fish. Just be safe. <laughs> Stephen Ennis. Hey, Dan, do you have any experience with the two-stripe killie? Probably. The problem is 
killifish almost always except for blue galaris um and american flagfish and um the clown killifish all the others i need scientific names so let me see if i can find it is that a that feels like a native like fundless two-stripe liar tail killifish i i don't know if you can tell me a species name or uh somehow let me know better what you're talking about i could i could help you out with that if it's a bivitatum then or a bitaniatum then yeah which it might be jolly vigil sorry i have not been on youtube for a bit i'll wait no biggie just send me an invoice when ready yeah i'll let you know when when they're ready and it keeps frustrating me because i looked for i don't know it took me a couple months to finally find them and get them in for you and then i've had them for a few weeks now and i i'm just still not comfortable selling them Bathy Phila, yeah, I'd imagine it would be hard to sell 600 Rivulus, yes. I'm intrigued by the genus, but it's hard to find info on them. Most killifish people are into aphiosumians and annuals, as you said. Yes, that's true. If you join the American Killifish Association, then you will have access to all the back issues of the Journal of the American Killifish Association. And I promise you, if you dig through those, then you will find a ton of information on Rivulus. I mean, it's not as common that someone writes an article on Rivulus as Aphiosimians or Nothobronchius or something, but they do do it. And that organization has been around for many decades and there's a lot of info there. So that would be my recommendation, Bathyphila. If you're not a member of the American Killifish Association, it's so worth it just for the access to their archives and in you can put a query out and be like, who here is a, a Rivulus nut? And five people will respond and they'll be like deep into Rivulus and be able to guide you. That being said, they're generally not difficult. They're, you set them up like normal killifish, really tight lid and some cover, spawning mop, things like that. And they'll generally do fine. They just aren't as prolific as other fish, but they'll breed and thrive. Uh, they don't have a reputation for being difficult. They're, they're super hardy fish. Almost all the rivulus have adapted to niches that would, I don't know, kill other fish <laughs> or other fish just wouldn't survive well in them. They're, they're pretty hardy, tough things. So yeah. Anyway, American Killifish Association can hook you up. I promise. Kayla's Aquatics. Beville Timothy, do you ship to North Carolina? Oh, okay. So I missed that question. Sorry about that. Um, yes, absolutely. I ship all over the United States. I've even shipped to uh, JH Aquatics out in the Virgin Islands. I've shipped to Alaska. I've shipped to Hawaii. Um, so yeah, North Carolina is no problem. No problem at all. My high plecos, my Santa Maria endlers are looking great still. Awesome. I can't wait for you to get some uh, babies from them. They are... They're cool fish for sure. Cheshire Cat, how are the clown killifish doing? They're doing great. They're gaining weight. Um, I'm just putting a tiny bit of size on them before I let them go. It might be this Friday or next week. There's nothing wrong with them. They're eating flake foods and crushed up pellets and baby brine shrimp and all that. They're 
doing fantastic. They put on weight, but I'm just trying to bulk them up a little more before I send them because they're such a small fish that I'm going to have to deprive them of food for a couple days before I put them in the bag. Then I'll put them in the bag and ship them to you. That could be another three, four days. And being such a small slender fish, I want to make sure they have enough weight on them that when they get to you, they don't arrive skinny and scrawny and emaciated. So this it's, I mean, everything's going great with them. It's just a matter of pumping more food into them. And I am, I'm feeding them uh, three, four times a day just to try to really, you know, get them bulked up and they're responding. They're doing great. Um, Richard Crackle, how are the clown killies doing? Ditto to the above. <laughs> yes, you and Cheshire Cat. Cool. Yeah, they're doing great. 44 Mad Guy 1. Okay, thanks. You're welcome. Matt Cowley. Are the gold line loaches the same species as panda loaches? Are they just a different color variant? I don't know, and I don't know anyone that does know. I've only, I mean, I've never seen them before. All I know is that they're listed as gold line loaches. They might just be a different population of panda loaches that is more striped. Or they might be a different species. I have no idea. I don't know the scientific name on them. And I don't know anyone that does. So I, I wish I, I wish I did. I wish I did. To me, they look different than a panda loach, not just because the pattern, but because of the gold color. So panda loaches to me are more, you know, black and white, kind of blotchy. Whereas these, they really are, a, they do get a, a gold to them that, that I think is a little distinct from a panda loach. That doesn't mean they're a different species. Yeah, it just means they're different. Uh, somehow. Stephen Innes, it's the bivitatum, probably not spelled correctly. Okay, yeah, so we're talking about, I want to show this fish just because Theosimian. Uh, Biv or bit? Which one? Bivs? Okay. There's two kind of species groups, bivs and bits. And here they are. Let me show these to you. So he's asking about these. Yes. Um, in fact, Chromaphysum bivitatum fung is my logo. This is a fish. Um, I've raised and bred many generations of these. They're absolutely stunning. What I have right now... Um, are these, although mine are um, location specific. They're not actually from Lagos, but they look similar to this. So I have some right now that look similar to this. I just haven't listed them yet. I've got like two males and one female that came in as contaminants with the Aphiosumum caliurum uh, order that I did out of Nigeria. Now, they're easy to take care of. They're just as easy as any other killifish. They're hardy. They're beautiful. They spawn readily. They're, yeah, they're pretty much everything you could want in a killifish. I don't see any reason why they couldn't be someone's first species and that person have luck with them. There's nothing uh, difficult or crazy about them at all. They're, they're stunning. Um, you can set them up just like Fundopanchax gardneri or Aphiosemian australi or any of those common egg lane killifish. They're uh, a non-annual species, so you can water incubate the eggs. If you want, you could also put them in peat moss just to get a more consistent hatch. 
but yeah, super easy. If they jump like other Achilles, keep a lid on. But if you have any specific questions about them, uh, feel free to let me know and I can answer in detail. But as far as killifish go, they're one that I would highly recommend for a beginner. They're everything you could want. Small fry aquarium fish. Do you pack ship every day? If so, how do you find time for tank maintenance? So I don't. I only ship once a week. So I ship on Mondays, although I'm thinking of changing it to Tuesdays just because my new orders come in on Mondays and it makes for sometimes like a 20 hour day. So here's what I do. On uh, Sunday, I catch all the fish and I put them in the bags. On Saturday, I don't seal the bags. I just put the fish in the bags. I do that because they're probably going to poop, even though I've I've I haven't fed them for a day. There, some species just eat anything: grunge, algae, detritus, whatever. So I put them all in bags on Saturday. I'm sorry, on Sunday. Monday morning, I change the water in the bags in case anyone's pooped in the bag because I don't want to send a bag with a fish in it that's going to poop in the box and you have an ammonia spike, right? So I do my best to prevent that. So. Monday, change the water, seal the bags, put them in the boxes, send them out. Now, because you have to deprive the fish of food for two days, Saturday and Sunday in my case, before you ship them in order to make sure they don't poop in the bag and you get a big ammonia spike and there's a problem, um, I can only ship once because if I shipped Wednesday, I'd have to keep them without food Monday and Tuesday as well. So in order to keep the fish healthy and fat, um, I can only ship once a week because I do take the time to fast them for two days before I seal the bags up and send them. Um, there are a lot of companies that if you order the fish on Wednesday, they'll ship it. If you order the fish on any day of the week, pretty much they'll ship it. And I've worked at those companies and I don't like it just because they catch the fish that same day, put it in the bag and send it, but they don't ever fast the fish. And so you can get big problems with waste in there. So small fry, I only ship uh, one day a week. And it's not so much because then I can keep up on maintenance, it's because then I can properly prep the fish for shipping um, so that they have the best chance of getting where they're going in good shape. And because that prep requires me to starve the fish for two days, I, I just can't do it constantly because then they would never eat, right? So yeah. So what I try to do for maintenance is Every day, besides shipping day, um, it's impossible to do, to do anything else on shipping days. Um, I try to do six tanks a day. So I'll change out the filter floss in the box filter. I'll clean out the sponge filter and scrub down the glass on the front pane of the tank. If plants are overgrown or anything like that, I'll you know trim them out, thin them out. So if I do six tanks a day, I can get to all my tanks pretty much once a week. That's how I try to manage that. Sometimes it's every two weeks. It just depends on, on how things go. But every tank gets its filter and stuff maintained every one to two weeks, let's say. BDK 1320, 54 watching. We went down. We were in the 60s. What did I say? What did I say? <laughs> what would be your top three fish to breed for profit? 
Okay, so if it's for profit, I would choose something that's a high dollar value, that's small and easy to ship, and that is prolific. So I would probably choose a high value guppy or endler. Um, Santa Maria's are a great choice. Um, I sell them for 85 bucks a pair. My competition sells them for $105 a pair. So, you know, that's a good one. Or any, sh yeah, any kind of really desirable guppy or endler could do it. You know, the, the Limi and Niagara Fasciata have been an, a real moneymaker for me. I got an original group a year and a half, two years ago, and they just keep spawning like crazy. They sell for 20 bucks a pair. That's pretty good. So I would put those on the list. And then for number three, I want to say some kind of fancy angelfish. Not a veil tail or anything. They can be harder to ship. A standard fin angelfish that is uh, high enough quality or a new enough color variant that there's high demand for it. I'm hesitant a little bit because angelfish are bigger, so they're a little harder to ship. But just off the cuff, that's what I would go for if we're talking about profit. Fundal of Panchox Gardener might be a good one too. Those you can sell for 15 to 20 bucks a pair. If you separate the females and males and put them together and you have five to 10 pairs, you could crank out, uh, I don't know, 500 to 1,000 fish a month. So, um, yeah, I, I'm going to go with that. Let me know if you have any uh, follow-up on that. But that's, I think people make a mistake a lot of, so breeding for profit it really is high value fish, small fish. This is really important, small fish and prolific. Those are really the three things. The reason I say small fish is if you can fit six fish in a box versus three fish in a box and they cost the same, you're likely to be able to sell a lot more of them. The other thing is big fish, you have to put a lot of water in there and that's heavy and that increases the shipping. Express gets really shipping USPS Express or FedEx or UPS gets really expensive as you get heavier. So to me, that rules out a lot of the cichlids and stuff just because of size. Now, if you're not shipping, if you're saying, um, if you're just selling locally, I would say the same thing just because you could fit a hundred smaller fish in a tank and you might only be able to get 10 larger fish in there. And if they sell for more or less the same price, you're better off with the smaller fish. So hope that's helpful. So that's the principle, those three things. Uh, expensive fish that are small and that are highly prolific. Um, Skipper's Aquariums, what's up? Just showed up. I guess I need to go to the principal's office. You know you do. Take this hall pass, go to the principal. Detention. <laughs> now, welcome Skipper, glad you're here. Kendrick Augustine, Augustine or Augustine? I don't know. Kendrick, welcome. I'm wondering if you were breeding Exodon Tetras. If you are, can you please make a how to breed video on them? I've never bred Exodons, so I, I can't make that video. Um, 
I don't know anyone that is breeding exodons. I'm sure it's possible. I'm sure that you bulk them up, put them together like an egg scatterer and let them go, but I've never done it. In fact, I've never kept exodon tetras in my personal collection. I've kept them at stores and facilities I've worked at, but never here. And I keep, I'm tempted every time. I wanna get a big group of exodons and put them in this 100 gallon tank down here. Uh, down here? <laughs> the light's off right now just cause otherwise you get like this glow right here. <laughs> and it's distracting. But the problem is I can do that and have an awesome tank of exodons that I would really enjoy. Or I can put fish in that tank that I can resell and, and help make a living. So just the economics of it don't make sense. But I love that fish. I just don't have them. I, I, I've never bred them. I'm sorry. If anyone here has bred, exodon, bred exodons or knows someone who has, if you could chime in. But Kendrick, I don't know anyone that's bred those. I'm not saying they aren't being bred. I just, I don't know about it. Another the Z. <laughs> that's fun to say. Another the Z. <laughs> another the z um <laughs> could you talk about gouramis for a bit i really like them thanks i totally can gouramis are a big group of fish though there's many 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 different kinds so um i guess i would want to know is there a specific species you want to know about or something or a specific info about them you're interested in so I can narrow it down. For gouramis, here's my approach. I look for generally smaller gouramis that are peaceful, that I can keep in a group. That's kind of my litmus test. So I don't have like dwarf gouramis because they can be super aggressive. And I think they're gorgeous. And one day I'd like to get a pair and just spawn them and make a video for fun because they're amazing. But they're super aggressive, and I don't like how when you put a group in a tank, you just see them beat up on each other all day long, and one gets eventually so beat up on that it stresses out and, and dies. Um, and I like to keep my fish in groups, so I generally avoid those. I like blue gouramis and gold gouramis and three-spot gouramis and all that stuff. Um, but I, I tend to not get them just because of aggression issues and things like that. The one gourami of the larger variety that I really like is the pearl gourami. They're gorgeous, they get big, and they're peaceful. So I love a big group of pearl gouramis. I've been tempted to get one back here in this tank for a while. Um, probably my favorite of the kind of standard gouramis you can find in stores frequently are, are those. I think they're fantastic. I generally avoid, though, most of the common varieties that you can buy in stores because of aggression and size issues. So the kinds of gouramis I like are like the spike tail gouramis, uh, little guys, but really pretty, full of personality. I like the croaking gouramis. I like the dwarf gouramis. I like chocolate gouramis, samurai gouramis, th those kinds of fish because they stay small. They have really unique color and pattern. They're, I find them to be hardy. Um, I don't find them to bother other fish at all. They do jump. Be careful of that. And I can keep a big group in an aquarium. So that's kind of what I tend to go for. Now, 
one of the things you'll run into with some of these species is they have a reputation for being really hard to, to get to eat uh, prepared foods. So it takes a little while, but I'm here to tell you, you can do it. So if every day you just put a little bit of crushed up, not super small, but just kind of crushed up a little bit flake food in there, because they have small mouths, by the way, chocolate gouramis, samurai gouramis, they have really small mouths for that size fish. Um, then they'll, they'll eventually learn to eat it and become just as hearty and outgoing and stuff as any other normal gourami. So I know those are kind of my thoughts, uh, for you, another the Z, but I don't know exactly what to, to focus in on unless you have a specific question because it's such a big, diverse group of fish. Killers Aquatics, my favorite LFS is going to begin some shipping of coral. Cool. You watch your vids and incorporated some of your techniques into this process. Well, I hope it's helpful. Um, yeah, coral frags are kind of their own thing. Um, I wouldn't have a clue how to do it. In fact, I think a lot of people do it and they just keep them damp, kind of like a snail instead of fully submerged, if I remember right. I don't know anything about it, but I, I'm, I'm thrilled to hear that something in the video might have been helpful for that. That's cool. And I hope he has good luck doing that. Thanks, Bob. Cheshire Cat. The other day, I noticed tiny round gray things swimming around in my tank. They seem to go to plants, moss ball, wood, and don't bother nerite snails. Could they be copepods or something? They, they're, they could be. They're probably seed shrimp would be my guess. Um, seed shrimp come in all the time. They're really kind of round little things. Let me show you a picture. They don't hurt anything. They're just not that useful because they're so tough that they're kind of hard for fish and stuff to eat. So they're these little round guys. They're a lot smaller than this. This is magnified many, many, many times. They're tiny little things, but, um, well, that wasn't helpful, but that would be my guess. I mean, it could be lots of other things too. It could be scuds. It could be, um, well, you didn't say what shape they are, did you? I, I suppose it could be like some kind of cyclops or copepod, but my guess is, is seed shrimp, if they're going to plants and substrate and kind of clinging on them, copepods tend to be more free swimming, although some kind of cling quite a bit. So <laughs> how's that for a not helpful answer? <laughs> Holy cow. Wow, Bob. I got nothing except thanks, Dan. Throwing down a hundred bucks. Well, Bob, I got nothing except thanks, Bob. Thanks. Jeez. I can't tell you how much I appreciate that. Um, like sincerely, thank you, Bob. Been here since pretty much the beginning and is a constant supporter and a great customer. And man, one day, Bob, I hope I meet you and we can share a drink together and get to know each other in person. But thank you so much. Well, that, that kind of touched me. <laughs> I, I'm covering it with a laugh, but Bob, that, that kind of hit me home that time. Thank you. Yeah. Um, okay. Let me see where we were at. It got another one. Fish tube, five bucks. Thank you. Thank you so much. Have you seen female guppies coming in semi-sterile, meaning half pregnancies, which don't go to term? I haven't, but what I have seen is females coming in just 
loaded with parasites. Um, they seem kind of emaciated. Just, they're coming in really dirty, guppies are. A lot of the live bearers are. And so, uh, I, I mean, I I don't know if it's, what you're talking about is sterility. What I'm talking about is just in such bad shape that maybe they, you know, don't breed well. Um, but so I haven't seen sterile, but I've seen a lot of just, it takes real work to clean them up, to turn them around um, and get them healthy. So flubendazole, by the way, is one of my new favorite drugs. Um, <laughs> I'm getting high on flubendazole. No, um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's proven very useful for internal parasites. So I do treat with Prozzi and Metro. I treat with Levamisole. There's a whole group of parasites that the flubendazole is proving to be able to get for me that those others aren't. So I'm adding that to the rotation. And I've had great luck with the uh, um, hyphen neon barbs. They have, I always thought that was a pretty skinny fish naturally. Now I know they're actually not as skinny. Um, if you treat them with flubendazole, it treats something in them and they actually gain, they're, they're not fat like some barbs, but they, they gain quite a bit more weight. So um, I've added that to my guppy rotation as well. And it's, I've seen some good results with it. So, so no to um, sterile, but yes to super dirty and take some real work to clean up. And that might cause sterility if they're full of parasites and, and they get bacterial infections too. So yeah. Sorry, that's the best I can do on that one. Dan Sleeve, five bucks, no comment. Man, the Super Chats are raining tonight. Thanks, everyone, for making it rain. Really appreciate them. They're never required, but they're always very appreciated. Um, as we get this uh, whole dancefish.com and getgills.com thing up and running, um, it just it really helps have some Super Chats. I'm, I, by the way, I'm not begging for Super Chats here. That's not what I'm intending to do. I'm trying to express to those who gave why it's so helpful and, and how grateful I am. So thank you very much. Um, all right. Okay, so Cheshire Cat, let me know if I was on about the seed shrimp or not. Skipper's Aquariums, I think the reason why we have a low view count is because LRB is live now. <laughs> but I will always what you first because you answer my questions. Oh, okay. Watch you first. Cool. Well, welcome. Glad you're here and good for LRB. He's a good guy. So I'll actually probably watch his replay. In fact, if I don't shave and cut my hair soon, I'm going to start looking like LRB myself. <laughs> We're going to have two LRBs. I better shave and cut my hair. <laughs> Yeah, I never worry about it. Um, last week we had a really high count, but that's because Corey was off traveling to Aquashella and stuff. So um, Corey sucks up a lot of viewers, which is fine. He, he does a good live stream. LRB does a good job. Uh, Friday Fish Facts does a good job. And there's always others that I'm not aware of that, you know, just happen to stream at the same time. It's really not a problem, though, because, um, you know, there's the replays. So we can catch them all on replay. So I don't really miss it. 
<laughs> That's hilarious. So Bob just threw down another $100 super chat. And this is funny for Mikey. That's what friends are for. This is really funny just because of how Bob's taunting uh, Mikey there, who is Mile High Plecos. For those that don't know, uh, Mile High Plecos and Canada's Aquatics have this friendly super chat rivalry. And uh, I love it because it makes me a lot of money. <laughs> but it's a really fun rivalry. So and it's been going on for a long time. So for those that are, you know, in tune with that rivalry, Bob, that's hilarious. <laughs> that's that's great. And thank you, by the way, for the hundred bucks. I mean, obviously. Thanks. Um, okay. Bathy Phila at Dancefish don't have experience selling myself yet, but any wild type live bearers seem to sell well for a decent price. Yes, absolutely. However, um, not all wild type live bearers are prolific. So a lot of the goodyids, they're fantastic and you should totally keep them and breed them and conserve them. They need our help. They're amazing fish. If you have a fish room that stays in the low 70s, mid 60s, they're perfect for you. Yes, 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 yes. Um, but Bathy Phil, a, a lot of the goodyids and stuff, goodayids, they, um, they just aren't very prolific. So Some of the wild type live bearers would make excellent breeding for profit projects. Just make sure that whatever you select is prolific and can be kept at normal fish tank temperatures because then your market is larger. The Gadeids, much as I love them, they're a little difficult to breed for profit because they don't um, have very many babies in each batch and their batches are further apart than say like pasillids. Did I say that right? Guppies and mollies and stuff. And the other thing is they need to be kept cool. So they're not very prolific and there's not that many people with cool water tanks. Um, there's a lot of people that want good dayids, but a lot fewer that can be successful with them just because of their temperature requirements. So um, I would say if you do a wild type live bear, go for one that is prolific and can be kept in normal aquarium temperatures if profits the motive if conservation's the motive if keeping cool fish is the motive if um bragging rights are the motive then then keep the goodies and and all the other stuff yeah um all right it skipped on me so let me find where i'm at here sorry about that chat does that sometimes Ah, here we go. Bathy Phyllis, speaking of gourami-like fish, have you ever done anything with microtenopoma? No, um, I've been tempted. The only microtenopoma that I'm really that interested in is ansorgii, and I just haven't found the right group at the right price to bring them in. They're on my radar. One day I will, just like the samurai gouramis I've been looking for for a long time, finally found a good group at a good price. So the uh, microtenopoma and Sorgii, I'm looking for. As soon as I find that the right fit, I'll order them. But as of now, I've never kept that fish that I can remember in my own tanks, in a store, or anything. I've never, I don't think I've ever seen that fish living. I've just seen pictures. So I'm really, really um, 
yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to finally getting some. <laughs> Mile high plecos. I like plecos. Can you talk about them for a bit? <laughs> yes, for a very brief bit. So by the way, Mile High, I took some pictures of the uh, plecos you gave me uh, when they were little bitty. They're bigger now, and I'm going to post them on Instagram pretty soon here. They're, they're looking good. They're fantastic. Thanks again. I'm really enjoying them. Small fry aquarium fish. Huge thanks for the shipping info. Essentially, you spread shipping across two days. That helps me so much. Yeah. Yeah, it's the only way I can ensure that once I seal the bag that the fish, well, I can't even ensure it. Sometimes they still poop in the bag. Um, but like live bears, barbs, rainbow fish, omnivores in general, like grazers and detritus eaters and stuff, even though you deprive them from plecos, like you have, um, even though you deprive them from for of uh, food in the tank, like you don't feed them actively, they're still going to be eating. They're going to eat biofilm. They're going to chew on plants. They're going to eat algae. They'll eat their own poop half the time just to fill their bellies. So the only way I can ensure that their intestinal tract is fairly clean is to put them in the bag and then change the water in the bag the next day. So that's why I do that. I didn't always do that, but then um, I only started doing that part about five years ago when I noticed, hey, I've I've like not fed these fish, but I would bag the fish up, get them all up and then go back to the beginning and put those bags in boxes and they'd be full of poop. And I was like, well, this is no good. Like, what if I hadn't seen that or that happened an hour later when they were already boxed up and in transit and then the customer is going to get this bag full of brown water and probably a dead fish. So, yeah. <laughs> Mile high plecos. It's fine. I'll take my business elsewhere. <laughs> BDK 1320. We're back up to 60. Hey, awesome. Welcome all those that just joined us. BDK um, 1320. Did I say 60? 20 at Mile High Plecos and Dance Fish. Dan, speaking of Plecos, are you breeding any? I haven't noticed any in the videos I have watched. No, I I only have one kind of Pleco. I have the Starlight Pleco. I believe it's the L182. It's the one that doesn't keep the white seam on the caudal fin when it gets older. Um, I'd have to look up if it's 182 or 183. And I only have those because Mile High Plecos, Mikey Trevor was kind enough to uh, to give me three of them when I went to visit him. So um, it's not that I dislike Plecos. It's that I don't feel like I'm set up properly to keep most Plecos. I feel like if I had a tank full of Plecos, that would kind of be the only species I could keep in there. Like, I don't know. I feel like they're kind of a specialty thing, I guess. Kind of like if I had discus, I, you know, that kind of thing. Not that they're the same, but they're a specialty thing. Like you're into plecos, you kind of do plecos. So yeah, I, I just don't have any. I'm not breeding any. I mean, I have the ones Mike, Mikey gave me, but that's it. So um, they are cool fish. They do draw my attention, but I don't know. I feel like I'm not set up properly to really get deep into them. And one problem with me is if I do something, I tend to do it like deep into it. So I'd be real unsatisfied if I was going to do plecos and I only got a couple species. I would fall in love and pretty soon all I would have with, with, is plecos. And <laughs> I just can't do that right now. So, yeah. 59. Oh, still all right. Cheshire cat. 
They might be those seed shrimp, hard to tell from microscopic images. Only new things in the tank is a lava rock from Petco, and it was dry, so I don't know if that brought them in or what. A seed shrimp can come in on plants or and anything like that, and they can be in your tank in really low populations, and you won't even notice them until the population booms. So, yeah, I don't know, Cheshire Cat. The good news is most of those little kinds of types of little crustacean things are they don't damage anything they're just eating uh detritus and uneaten food and being scavengers that help the ecosystem so unless they populate to massive numbers and start out competing fish or just absolutely chomping on all your plants or something like that then they can be really helpful they can keep the algae down they can keep stuff clean basically um one exception is there are a few kinds I don't know if a few, there are some species of cyclops and copepods and things that can actually harm fish. Um, they'll actually, I don't know if prey on fish is the word, but attach to fish, eat off fish, things like that. Now, most of them won't. And if that's what you have free swimming around, you're probably, probably fine. But that's, that's the only thing to really worry about is when populations boom, or if you happen to have like a predatory kind of copepod that could hurt your fish. That's not seed shrimp though. That's, that's cyclops. Um, all right, Bathyphila or anyone else? Wait, hang on. Did I jump? Yes. Hang on. Totally jumped. Okay. Just a sec. I'm trying to find where I'm at. Okay, here we go. Dr. S. Experimentis. Do foxtail aquatic plants grow fast and will it do good outside in the tub in 80 degrees of weather? Um, Dr. S. Experimentis, I've never kept that plant. I'm, I'm, I'm like, if, if I was in plant school, I would be in like kindergarten or preschool. Uh, I know fish really well. Plants, not something I'm hugely knowledgeable about. So I would defer to someone else in chat. Anyone here? Um, have experience with foxtail aquatic plant, and can you answer that question for Dr. S. Experimentis? Um, if I answered that, it would just be a guess based on nothing because I don't even know what foxtail is when it comes to aquatic plants. So I'm sorry, I, I'm sorry, I just can't answer that for you. Well, I, I can answer that. Um, yes and no. No, I, I'm joking. Not an answer. Robert P, going for Gudea keeping water around 68, good, with an auto water, auto water changer with cold water. That sounds awesome, and I'm glad you're doing that. Those fish deserve our attention. They really, really do. Um, Taylor Aquatics, not at war. <laughs> he said he was broke after the first hundred, so that's what friends are for. Oh, thanks, Bob. <laughs> it, was, it, it was still hilarious, though. <laughs> Um, Logan Breen, can he see this? Yes, I see that, but just by chance. So for those that are wondering, 63, yes, we're back. For those wondering why I keep ignoring your comment or question, it's not because I mean to, it's because I, I literally am not seeing it. So if you make it at Dan's Fish, so type the at symbol, start typing D-A-N, no space, just at symbol D-A-N, then hopefully a Dan's Fish option will populate in a box. If you click that and then type your comment, um, I'll see it because it'll highlight for me. 
If it's not highlighted, I don't respond to it because I then assume it's just chat among yourselves. And I don't want to do a live stream that's like this. You know, reading every comment and looking for a question or comment to respond to. Because people, when they're in the chat, I want them to banter and have a good time. Um, but I don't want to have you as the viewer or listener have the experience of just watching me silently scroll, scroll through stuff, looking for stuff to respond to. So help me out by uh, making it at Dance Fish so it highlights. Then I'll see it and I'll respond as soon as I get to it in the, in the thread. Now, there are some devices like my Android phone, for example, when I'm in live streams on my phone, it doesn't do that for me. That functionality doesn't work. So if it's not working for you, then if you would call a mod's attention that, that I'm ignoring you or whatever, they'll let me know. Um, and then I'll be able to answer your question. So for the few of you that that doesn't work for, just let a mod know and, and they'll call my attention to it. So, but that's why I run it that way. I'm just trying to make it so that, so that the stream is me actively responding to comments and questions instead of looking for comments and questions all the time. Um, and highlighting really helps with that because then I know you want me to respond. And so I can, it comes right to my attention. I can get right to it. So uh, hopefully that makes sense. <clears throat> did I get another? Hey, I did another super chat. Thank you. The fish tank barn. Hey, glad you're here for the tip jar. Well, thanks for the super chat and thanks for everything you do. I think your stuff is awesome. For those that haven't checked Fish Tank Barn stuff out, do it. There's some cool stuff there. Um, also some live streaming and stuff. So it's it's worth it's worth checking out. But thanks so much. Glad you're here. Hope uh, hope all the Limias and stuff are doing doing well for you. Hang on, I'm getting dry. 67. Cool. I guess that means LRB ended or Corey ended. We're getting a few more. 65. <laughs> oh, back. We're back. <laughs> Bathy Villa, a dance fish or anyone else. What equipment do you use for filming your fish outside of live stream? Looking for advice on affordable on affordable camera equipment to start making some fish videos. Okay, let me um, show you real quick what I have. Now, give me just a sec so I can go grab that camera and show it to you. This will only take ten seconds. We have sixty-seven watching. Watch when I get back, they'll be like. 20. Okay, it's right here. So here's my main camera that I use. Um, I've got a tripod and a monopod. It's this bad boy. It's super cheap. It's not the best camera in the world. It's this little Canon. Is this focusing so you can see it? Um, and I don't know. I think this cost me 100, 100 or 150 bucks used. What I like about it is I can flip this around so I can talk to the camera and then point it, you know, and see what's going on. Oops, there we go. And then I can turn it and, and point it at a tank, flip it back so I can see what's going on. Um, I don't have the highest quality videos by any means. I one day would like to get better equipment, um, do better videos, but that's kind of my standard camera. And it works just fine. Um, this is my phone. I also take a lot of video on my phone. It's just an Android. A lot of phone cameras are very good. And if you already have a phone with a decent camera on it, I would say just use it. I don't think you, to start, just use your phone. 
there's no need to go through the expense of a separate camera and everything. Um, as far as underwater photography, I got this little sucker. This is a cross tour, which I think I got on Amazon or eBay. This was 30 bucks. It sucks. It's not a good camera. It's a little difficult to use. Um, it doesn't take great video, but all my underwater photography, videography, if you can even call it that, but all the underwater stuff is shot with this little sucker. $30, not bad. And it might've been a little more with the waterproof case and stuff. And it has a, a Wi-Fi connection to my phone. So I can put this underwater and then see what's going on on my phone and make the tweaks and stuff. If I had to do it again, this is a cross tour 1080p Wi-Fi. And let me see if I can show that to you a little better. 68. All right. We're in the big time now. 68 watching. There you go. That shows you clearly what it is, I think. Um, if I had to do it again, I would spend a little more money and get the one that um, communicates via Bluetooth instead of just Wi-Fi. Just because to connect it to your phone, you have to be off your Wi-Fi and it doesn't sync very well and there's glitches and stuff. I think the Bluetooth would be a lot smoother. So that's what I use. But again, if you have a phone, you're gonna be fine. More important is how do you edit your videos? This is what I use. Let me show you this here. Okay, here's what I use. This is Shotcut. This is still open from when I edited the unboxing video. This is a free program. It doesn't cost you anything. It's a um, open source program. And you can put tons of tracks on here. This is my intro. Then we cut down here. This is um, fast forwarding through unboxing and opening bags. Then this is fish and tanks. And then this down here is the audio track. So you can do all kinds of stuff on here and it's free. I wouldn't say it's the most intuitive program. Um, if you've never edited video before or anything like that, you're probably gonna watch a lot of YouTube videos on how to make it work, which is how I learned how to do this. But it's a free program and it works. And it has a lot of functionality, a lot more functionality than I'm ever gonna even understand or use. So those are some thoughts, Bathy Phila, on uh, how to get started. I would use your cell phone and Shotcut just to start. That's what I would do. Free editing program, and you've already got your phone. Now, maybe you don't, but I'm assuming you do have a phone already. So that's, that's my two cents um, on that. That being said, I mean, I think the only thing that keeps me alive is the information in my videos, not my videography. I, I'm bad at videography. I'm bad at photography. I wish I had a Jimmy. I mean, I really wish I had a Jimmy, <laughs> a Swiski to help me with that stuff, but I don't. So I just uh, do what I can with what I got. And in time, I'll learn and get a little better. Um, I do want to get some lights, so get a little better lighting on and things like that. I know that what you're seeing right now is kind of this unimpressive maybe a little bit fuzzy, um, you know, image of me in a live stream. And I could help that out with some, uh, some better lighting and stuff, but just for starting. Yeah. Go with what you got cell phone and a free program. Another the Z 
Do you have a favorite snail? Yeah, I like ram's horn snails and pond snails because they're hardy, they reproduce quick, they clean up waste, and uh, if I accidentally kill them, I'm not heartbroken. So <laughs> for me, it's the free ones, the pest snails. I like them a lot. Dr. Experimentist, no worries. Thanks. Sorry I couldn't answer your question. Hopefully someone else could, though. All right. I just got to the Fish Tank Barn's $5 Super Chat. If folks are wondering where the heck I'm at, how far behind I am in this uh, <laughs> in this chat stream. FishTube. I like the concept of getgills.com, the fish trade. Needed a website upgrade very badly. Well, I'm glad you like it. And I agree. The reason I built that thing is because it was so painful using other things. Um, the thing I love about it, I can't tell you how much I love this. I love that when someone buys some of my fish on Get Gills, I'm talking about the seller's point of view right now, that it's already paid for. All I have to do is like, I've already, it's paid for, I have their address, I have their email. All I have to do is get it, get it packed and I can ship it. Um, I use other platforms where when someone buys a fish from me, I have to email them and be like, hey, thanks for buying the fish. Here's how you pay. And then how many do you want? And what type of shipping do you? And it just, I don't know, four or five, sometimes 10 emails just to figure out what the customer wants and how to ship it to them and let them know how to get paid. And oh, I got so sick of that. And, and relisting, like every time a fish is sold, I have to go back in and relist. There's no way to like just keep an inventory. So I'm glad you like it. Those are the things that drove me nuts. And I was like, I got to build something. Oh, by the way, I want to show you guys this. Um, TM Aquatics had a suggestion based on some discussion we had in the live stream last week about um, stores. So we decided to take that suggestion. And now if there's a store with no products in it, it just doesn't show up. Before we used to have where products, stores with products would be here at the top. And then after that, all the stores without products were listed. Um, TM was like, well, to me, that's like cluttered and I, I don't like it. And I was like, yeah, you know what? You're right. That That isn't that great. So thanks to TM and um, whoever asked the question last week in the live stream, I forget who it was that prompted that. I appreciate that. I think the website's a little improved because of that. Now, that doesn't mean that your store is deleted if you don't have things. It just means it doesn't show up. As soon as you, you know, you can go back in your store and add something and, and it'll show up to buyers automatically. You don't have to like redo your store. Um, it's just that there's nothing for sale. It just removes the storefront um, just so it's not all cluttered there. So yeah, thanks TM aquatics and um the other person last week who kind of prompted that we appreciate that in fish tube i'm glad you like it we're working on making it better all the time we're still we're just about done making shipping pretty much perfect like not just the functionality you need but also a logical process to make it happen that's just about done the other thing we've run into is it looks like outlook is having some issues with get gills um, so if you use Outlook and you're having trouble, um, if you wouldn't mind switching to another browser, we will get to that problem, but only 5% of our traffic 
is Outlook. And so there's other things that are more pressing that affect more people that we're working on right now. But we will get to you Outlook folks soon. Um, in the meantime, though, please just use another browser. All right. Bracken, any barbs or catfish out of Africa coming to you in the future? Um, in the future, yes. In the near future that I know of, for sure, no. Um, I want Jaya really bad. Um, the J barb, J-A-E. Let me show you guys this. These are amazing. I had a chance to get some. Oh, this was a couple years ago. And I didn't. And I've been kicking myself ever since. They're these small little guys. And... They're small and they're peaceful, probably kind of like an Orichthys in behavior as far as not, not you know, big, boisterous, out-compete everyone type of barb. And um, yeah, that's, that's one that I'm looking for. And I believe that's an African species because um, I think the, the distributor, yeah, Cameroon, yeah, Congo, yeah. Um, the distributor that I had a chance to get them from was, was in Africa. And I've been kicking myself ever since I should have got them. Um, I did try Bracken also some like micro and things like that. I just had trouble selling them. I thought they were awesome. So I brought them in. I don't know. I had them for months and no one wanted to buy them. So I don't know. But that's not to say that I won't get more stuff out of Africa. I, I like the stuff there and you don't see it that often, a lot of it. So yes, as it becomes available, but no, it's not like I know next week I'm getting something in. Stick 66. Oh, I spoke too soon. 65 watching. All right. We're doing okay. We are doing okay. Bathy Villa. Yes. Let's see some of those cool African barbs. Yep. Um, again, when I can, I will. One barb that I really want to get, even though it's too big for to ship cheaply, is the mascara barb. I mean, those are just, those are a bucket list fish for me. The Fish Tank Barn. Corey Stream ended. Cool. Limias are doing well. Picked up some other rare live bearers at Aquashella. I wish I could have gone to Aquashella and met you and everyone else. Um, it seemed like everyone had a really good time. And so... Awesome. I'm glad y'all got to go. Sorry, I had to miss it. Candy's here. Hey, Candy, welcome. Another super chat night. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks to um, Bob and the Fish Tank Barn and Dan Slee. And oh my gosh, I'm forgetting one. Now I feel bad. I shouldn't have named them. Now I got myself in a corner. Thank you. <laughs> super chatter who I can't remember at this moment. I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> Why do I do that to myself? That was an idiot. That was a that was a rookie move, naming them. Jeez, <laughs> there's always gonna be someone I forget. Why do I do that to myself? Eric Fab, dance fish. Hi, it's just me wondering if you feed your killifish adults and fry, or what you feed. I was like, of course I feed them. What you feed your killifish adults and fry, and what you feed to fatten them up. And any tips on making white worm cultures really boom? So my killifish, one of the first things I do when I get a new fish is train them to eat flake food and pellets. So all my killifish eat flake foods and they eat pellets. Now, that's not all they eat, 
but I feed flake food, pellets, frozen foods. I'll feed them rapashi. The epiplates don't eat rapashi as well just because it sinks, but the aphiosimians and stuff, they'll eat it just fine. Um, I feed them baby brine shrimp. So I feed them a wide variety. Um, I'll feed them scuds. Sometimes I'll get blackworms in, feed them blackworms. So just for a normal diet, I like a big mix, a rotation of frozen and live gel foods for those that'll eat on the bottom and um, flakes and pellets. I do that just because then I feel like they're getting a balanced diet. And if one food is missing a vitamin or mineral or trace nutrient, then hopefully some of the others make up for that. So mine eat a little bit of everything. And honestly, that usually fattens them up. But to really get them to fatten up quickly, if you're like, I want to spawn these fish and they aren't fat right now, then blackworms work wonders. Now, you don't want to feed only blackworms all the time, but if you feed them blackworms for a few days, they're going to start producing a ton of eggs. Usually, though, if a killifish is not gaining weight on a standard diet and not coming into breeding condition on a standard diet, it might not be the food. You might need to check for parasites or other things that are sucking that energy away from the fish, depriving the fish of that. Because um, if you're feeding a good quality flake and pellet and frozen foods and things like that, um, they're probably going to be spawning condition for you. But when in doubt, blackworms. White worms, how to get the culture to boom, I don't know. I've never kept white worms very successfully. Um, I never had like the wine fridge to keep them at the temperature they like. A normal fridge is too cold. Room temperature is too hot. You know, I never had that. So I, I'm sorry, I'm not really experienced with white worms. I would refer you to, who's the guy on YouTube, I'm gonna look this up if I can do this without crashing this stream, who, um, David Ramsey, ah, I think is, yeah, David Ramsey. So check this out. If you're into white worms and live food culture and stuff, this guy knows a lot about that and has a lot of videos on how to do that successfully. So. I would refer you to David Ramsey's channel for that because he has a lot more experience with it than I do. Um, so hopefully that's somewhat helpful. Sorry if sorry about the live white worm part of it though. I just, I don't know. The other reason I avoid them and grindle worms is mites. Like every time I've had grindle worm cultures, I just get so many mites and the same kind of happens with white worm cultures. So, but if you found a mite free one, good on you. Matthew Phila, thanks for the equipment advice. Not looking for pro video quality, just want to share with the community. Don't have a smartphone, but the other camera looks cameras look doable. Yeah, they're they're low end, not expensive. And uh, if you wonder what kind of video they shoot, just look at my channel. That's what you'll get. <clears throat> Fish tube. There's no such thing as bad. You only get better. It's true. I'm not bad. I'm getting better. That's what I'm going to say next time I like spill the milk or knock the glass off the counter and it breaks. I'll just say, hey, I'm getting better. <laughs> but thanks for, I appreciate that fish tube. Um, 
Sorry, I crashed your car, honey. I'm getting better. I wonder how that's, <laughs> I can just see myself telling that to Brenda after I accidentally like ding her car. <laughs> Kaylee's Aquatics, Dance Fish, can shoppers search and find the hidden stores in the event they want to read about the store, see reviews, etc. Um, I need to check on that. That's, I don't think so, but that might be good, Bob. I hadn't thought of that. Maybe someone does want to, is like, I'm not here to buy. I just want to see, like, I just want to read about, I don't know, Bentley Pasco or something like that. Or just contact him, right? Through the store interface. That's a good thought, Bob. I'm going to have to think about that. And Jonathan and I will need to talk about it. Uh, Jonathan's my business partner on getgills.com. And uh, yeah, it's a good idea, though. Lumpy Dog, please let me know when the new Sudamoogles are going up on Get Gills. I need them. Cool. Um, okay, I do have to write that down or I will forget. They are cool, for sure. So I'm going to write that down. Uh, don't worry, I'm not going to be long. 62 here. Hey, thanks. So give me two seconds. Lumpy Dog. Uh, Sudamoogles. And Bob Kaler, uh, inactive stores. Thanks. Sorry. Um, if I don't write that down, then it ain't going to happen. Oh, I lost two, three. Shoot. I knew I shouldn't have done that. Um, <clears throat> I'll do that, Jeff. I'll put you on the fish wish list. Melody Monroe, Monroe. Get gills could also be sellers by country region. You can do that. So, that exists. Uh, let me show you this. Yeah, we knew that that could be a thing. So if you go to get gills, um, browse all products, then you can do this by country. Right now, there's only sellers in the United States listing. So that's the only ones that show. But as soon as someone in another country uh, lists fish for sale, it'll be here too. And you could select that. So we have, I think, functionality in 23 countries right now. So if you're in Europe or Canada or lots of other places, um, feel free to check it out. And we would love to have you use Get Gills. We're looking forward to getting our first uh, folks from out of the country using it. <clears throat> FishTube, I'm former software engineer by trade. If you have any questions, just kick me a message. Cool. I appreciate that, FishTube. Thanks very much. Bathy Phila, if you ever get the opportunity to get copper nose barbs, get them. They are awesome. All right, let's see what this is. I don't know. That fish. So let's take a look. Here we go. Oh, cool. Yeah. So looks like these guys. Yeah, I like all the stripes on. They, yeah, they remind me kind of of a, of a shiner. Or like a hill stream trout almost in a way. I'll keep that in mind um, if I ever see him. <clears throat> Curious Guppies at Dancefish. Well, hello. Oh, so looks like Curious Guppies is trying to type a comment or question. Please do it again, Curious, and um, I'll try to, as soon as I know what you're typing, I'd be very happy to uh, interact with you. Okay, Sakana Katana. I'm new to your YouTube channel. Well, welcome. Welcome, welcome. Glad you're here. <clears throat> Are there any good videos I should watch to learn about your business and you as a hobbyist? Oh, what would other folks here recommend? I'm, I'm so, it's like that thing where you're so close to it that you can't, 
see it objectively. Um, so folks that are watching, what on my channel do you think a new viewer should look at to learn more about my business and about me as a hobbyist? Um, I'll let other folks answer that after I tell you a couple that I just think are important. One is the shipping stuff. I think that this hobby needs to up its game in how it ships fish and packages fish and prepares fish for shipping. So I would encourage you to look at that just to, because it's an area that I'm passionate about improving. I think the internet's important for our industry just because inertia is moving things that way. If you live somewhere that like me that doesn't have a local mom and pop fish store, the internet's the only way I can get most things. Um, and even if you live close to a mom and pop fish store, once you get to a certain point in the hobby, you're going to want species that they probably aren't going to be able to carry or maybe even get for you. And so the internet becomes important. And so I feel like it's really important that we know how to ship fish well to make that successful and to, you know, just take as good of care of these awesome creatures as we can as we send them to each other. So I would say that one. There's a whole series on me building this fish room, and if you're into that. Um, another one is a video on how I acclimate fish and medicate fish uh, when I first import them. I think that's probably a little bit unique and probably worth looking at too. So those are the two, I guess, that kind of float to the top of my mind. Um, medicating, quarantining, acclimating fish, and then shipping. There's lots of other stuff, though. It's, it's varied. Don't let other folks chime in. <laughs> Candy overhauls, all of them. Actually, it is really cool when someone goes on a binge and watches all the stuff and, and lets me know. Like Tampa Tom, he just went through it. all the live streams. He started the beginning and went all the way through. And I could keep pace with where he was because he would leave a comment on each one. And he and a few others have done stuff like that. And that's just really cool. Um, cause I'm like, Oh, I know where they're at in it. And I don't know. It makes me feel good that it's either interesting or informative enough that someone wants to, wants to binge it. So some folks have watched all of them. Matthew Kelly, Dan, do you know anyone who has been successful as a small to mid-level fish breeder that has made a living from it or do just the or do you have to resort to importing to make money? So I know some folks that make a living at it, but they're also retired from other careers. So I know some folks that have retired from the military um, who have some benefits and some income from the military who are able to make ends meet by breeding fish. I mean... Most folks that I know, though, don't make a living off just breeding fish unless they have like a large facility, like a farm, basically. It's so think about how many tanks. So if you're if you're imagine if you're wondering if you should do it, think about how many tanks you can fit in your space. Think about how many species you want to breed. And I would recommend like one or two or three, and that's it. And churn out thousands of them 
and sell them to wholesalers or directly to, you kind of have to, yeah, to wholesalers, sell them in bulk. Um, that's the best way I think to do it. Um, but so picture how many fish tanks you can keep, then which species you want to breed. Again, I will only do a few and do large numbers of those as opposed to doing many species and getting fewer offspring because every species is going to take several more tanks and a lot of that will be eaten up with breeders and rearing and stuff. Whereas if you just breed a cut one species or two or something, then you can have a relatively small group of breeders and churn out lots of young and be using most of the tanks for churning out babies and raising them to sellable size as opposed to having tanks um, clogged, if you will, with brood stock. So if you can determine how many you can keep and how many you can raise and how quickly they reproduce, then you can kind of get an idea of how, how much income you can make. So then you'll need to know what wholesalers sell them for and figure you're going to have to sell for quite a bit less than that. And that'll give you an idea of how much income you can do. Or maybe you decide uh, you want to sell directly to the public. That's fine. But then you probably do have to breed lots of species because otherwise you're going to flood the market with one species. And uh, then you can produce less because tanks are taken with brood stock instead of with young that are being raised for sale. So if you take all that into consideration, most spaces that people have to do this in are not big enough to earn enough income to keep someone afloat. It really almost takes a farm. And even a lot of farms, you'll notice, are importing. So even at the farm level, there's a lot of competition. There's a lot of countries that breed fish and grow fish and have big fish farms. And they can produce the fish for a lot less. Uh, labor costs are different. They don't have to pay for heat. They have natural food sources. Um, all kinds of things. So I think it's really difficult to make a living breeding fish without having like a retirement income or a pension or, or something that you're drawing on. I don't know anyone that does it without having a secondary income. I'm not saying it can't be done. Super high value fish, super in demand, small Prolific, hardy. That's what I would look at. And I would only do one species, maybe two. I know there's a guy that breeds almost all of the CPDs um, in um, Celestial Pearl Danios in the United States. He's in Florida. That's what he focuses on. Uh, he sells those to massive wholesalers. And he does a few other things too, but that's his bread and butter. But again, he's in Florida. He has a farm, basically. So... Yeah, it takes a farm. Popsicle, is there an API for get gills? Um, you'd have to talk to Jonathan about that. Is there, are you, oh, I wonder, I wonder uh, what usage case you have in mind for that. Um, basically right now to use get gills, you have to actually go on the get gills platform and, and use it. Uh, on its platform. Uh, we don't have an API that you can 
take and, and integrate into your platform, if that's what you're asking. Now, I'm a neo, I've, I'm, when it comes to like coding and software engineering and stuff, I know very, very little. Um, so Jonathan, my partner in crime, could answer that a lot better. If you would ask that question to dan at getgills.com, I'll forward it to Jonathan um, and I can get you a real answer. How's that? <laughs> All right. Multi-tank addiction. Gotta go do voiceovers. Great stream. Had a blast listening to you. You do voiceovers? That's cool. <clears throat> That's cool. I'm glad. So everyone, I imagine multi-tank addiction is going to be having a video coming out soon with a sweet voiceover. So check it out. Jonathan Santiago. Thanks. I got some fish from here and they came in perfect. Awesome. I'm glad they're doing well for you. And it always uh, makes me happy when that happens because I do put <laughs> a ton of work into shipping the fish so that that can happen. So I'm glad it does. Fishtube, what Corydoras have you not been able to breed? Um, <clears throat> none that I've tried to breed. All the species I've really tried to breed, I have bred. But I haven't gone deep into quarries, so um, yeah, I've never got like Equus and tried it or Barbados, Barbados, Bar whatever, uh, you know, things like that. So I've kept lots of quarries and not bred them, but I've never tried to breed a quarry and not had success breeding it. Bathyphila at Matt Cowley and Dan's Fish. I calculated running a fish breeding business recently. Okay, I found the only way it was economically feasible was to be located in the south and use container ponds. Yeah. <clears throat> Shoot, I'm out of water. Um, that sounds right to me. <clears throat> I suppose you could get a big warehouse in another part of the country that had like geothermal heating, some kind of really economical heating, um, or had a hot spring. I, I worked for a company that was in a cold place, but had a hot spring that powered it. And so it had hot water flowing up from the ground and through the system, things like that. Um, so there are ways to do it, big warehouse and then big tubs in the warehouse. But um, yeah, I agree. It would need to be a large facility that can be heated and maintained and fresh water brought in and run through the system without having to pay tons to heat it and stuff in some way. Yeah. Skipper's Aquariums, do you ever sell shrimp? Nope. Um, I have some cherry shrimp right now. Really small colony. I basically just have it for puffer food um, and, and to incubate eggs. I like to use shrimp sometimes when I'm incubating eggs because they help kind of nurse the eggs, keep the eggs clean. So I, I, don't, I just don't have enough shrimp to sell them. And I like them though. Um, I used to breed tons of crystal red shrimp and some other shrimp species, um, but I, I haven't for a long time had enough to sell. Bathyphila, if you've got a hot spring, you could make more money opening a spa or resort. Yeah, probably. Um, if, if pure cash is your thing, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you could. All right. Um, we've reached the bottom of the chat. It's been an hour and 41 minutes. I call that good. So we're going to shut this thing down. Um, thanks to everyone who super chatted, uh, especially Bob Kaler. Thanks, man. 200 bucks. Again, it's going to make Brenda super happy 
my wife will be super happy about that. Thanks for joining us, everybody, for the mods. I really appreciate you for doing everything you do. Everyone else, though, that's here and like responding, answering questions, making this a lively, helpful community in the chat while we do this, I appreciate that as well. And all you lurkers, I'm with you. Until next time, we will see you Wednesday, 7 o'clock p.m. Mountain Time next week. Have a good one. Bye-bye.